Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now, let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode, brand new series. Yes, you heard me correctly. We have a brand new book study series in the book of Philippians. As you know, in season three, I really wanted to go through the book of Philippians and going through Colossians and Ephesians. That's where we kind of ended off. And so here we are in the brand new season four. And here we are with Philippians book study. So thrilled, so excited. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and let's get started. So Philippians, just to give you a little bit of an overview, Paul wrote this epistle to encourage the Christians at Philippi to live joyfully in every circumstance. The most joyous book in the Bible comes from the pen of the author chained to a Roman guard. Many scholars believe Paul wrote Philippians in Rome just about the time Nero began feeding Christians to ravenous lions and burning them as torches to illuminate his banquets. In such an environment, how in the world could Christians possibly have joy? Paul points to Jesus' death to show that God can take even the darkest moment, even the darkest circumstance in history and turn it into something beautiful. The cross and Jesus' triumph over death prove that nothing is powerful enough to stamp out a reason for joy in the Lord, as Paul would say. So, we had just a little bit of an overview. Nothing too crazy in depth, but I really want to get really going on this book study. So, As you know, as we have done these in previous episodes, what we decided to do early on is we are going to not read through the whole entire chapter. But what we're going to do is we're going to go through this verse by verse. And I'll just let you know right now, if this goes too long, then we'll just cut it off from there. It just depends on where where God leads us. And so here we are, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And in this first chapter, the subheading is called Thanksgiving, which is so crucial in the life of a believer. So let's go ahead and get started. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. Now, I'm just going to let you know, bond servant here is the Greek word doulos, which means slave. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. A slave has no ownership rights over themselves. They are owned. And if there is a doulos, there must be a kurios, and kurios is lord. So if they're a Lord, there must be a doulos. So that's what we are, and that's how 
Paul and Timothy are identifying themselves. So it says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus or slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, Nate, it sounds like your intro. That's that's where I wanted to base it off of. That's how I wanted this to be. See, everything I want to do with this whole podcast, it's completely biblical. I make it just a little, little bit of Nate here and there, but for the most part, it's just all about glorifying Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. We must take time. Are you with me here? We must take time and make it a priority to remember those who are in the faith with us and those who are closest to our hearts. We need to thank God in our prayers. That's why we must be praying continually, never ceasing in prayer. Because there's so many people that we impact that that are just around us every single day. Pray for those people. Pray for all those people that are in your circle. Pray for those whom you may have just met just today. Pray for them. Verse 4 says, Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Now, once again, I have to stress this point here. Paul is in prison right now. Paul is in prison. And here we are talking about these Christians who are suffering severe life-ending persecution. Friends and family members are being fed to ravenous lions and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being used as torches. And he's saying that always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Let me just say this. Paul was given a monumental task from God to preach to the Gentiles. And you know what happens when you're in the people business? You start getting attached to people. You start loving people. It it doesn't become a duty. It doesn't become a job. It doesn't become a, I have to. This is something that is from the heart. This is life-changing stuff. And yet, he is offering prayer with joy in prison. I mean, are, are you in prison right now? I don't think so. Are your family members suffering persecution? I hope they are not. Okay? I, I We have listeners around the world. I hope that they are not. And if they are, they are in our prayers. But the majority of us are not suffering persecution. But we always need to pray with joy. We always need to pray with joy for everyone that we know. Even the people that just today, I had a guy who cut me off in traffic, whipped around me going extremely fast, and then slowed down just enough to give me the finger, and there we go, blazing off. And you know something? I'll, I'll, I'm going to be really honest here for a minute. As I always am transparent. But 
when that happened, I was a little bit angry. You know, I had my family in the car and I, of course, I, I, I'll just admit, I never said anything wrong. In my mind, though, I was thinking, boy, I'll tell you what, I would like to chase this guy down right now. And then as soon as that thought entered my mind, then I started thinking 70 times 7, 8, 70 times 7, 8. He doesn't know what he's doing. Remember Jesus's prayer on the cross while he was dying unjustly. Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Nate, I think you can forgive this guy. Yeah, but no, you need to forgive this guy. What did your Lord command? What did he say to do? Uh, okay. Are you seeing where I'm getting at here? So every time you go through these circumstances, and it they may be a persecution type of situation. However, we must speak, think, and act scripture. Did you catch that? We must think, speak, and act scripture. It's very important that we do those things because if we don't, guess what we're going to base everything else off of? Emotion. I'm going to chase this guy down. I'm going to ram him off the road and I'm going to make an example out of him. Well, you know what? This guy, whoever did that, I do pray for him. I pray for his family because if he's doing that in the car and his family is seeing that because he had, he had little kids in the car, they're seeing that as an example. So here I am coming up and we're going to ram him, right? And I've, I've actually seen that with my own eyes. I was coming home from work one day driving on the, on the interstate people this is here we are talking about the interstate here and i look behind me and these two two people behind me are uh playing uh twisted metal and if you've ever played that game well <laughs> at this age we probably shouldn't be right um but uh, you know they're playing destruction derby back there they're literally ramming into each other like an action movie scene it, it was crazy and i'm sitting there thinking oh i gotta get out of here so I just took off and I'm just thinking, what kind of anger does it take for someone to do that to somebody on the road like that? I mean, that's that's life ending stuff there. So kind of wrapping up my point here in verse four is that we need to offer up prayers with joy in every prayer for people. Intercede for people, people. <laughs> okay. All right. Verse 5, in the view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So, uh, the word participation here in the Greek means spiritual fellowship. Everything here is, is fellowship. So, in the view of your participation in the gospel. So, the gospel here, as we know, is the good news. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But a little bit deeper than that. It's how we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, justified and made holy before God through Christ, divine revelation and truth of scripture about salvation. That's what this word gospel really means. We are participants. We are spiritually members of Christ's body together in the gospel. We all have a duty and a responsibility to be participants in the gospel. That doesn't mean that we just sit here locked in a room and, in, in the, you know, kind of a little nook and cranny in our house and say, yes, amen, hallelujah, Jesus, the gospel. No, we need to be out in our workplace. 
We need to be out in our circles. We need to be out in the church. We need to be out anywhere we go, living out the gospel, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. Let's go on to verse 6 now. It says, For I am confident in this very thing, that he, talking about God, who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay. I say this every episode now, and I don't mean to repeat myself here, but this verse right here is so powerful, so true, so amazing. We could literally hang out here for hours and hours and hours talking about verse 6 alone. Obviously, we're not going to do that because we'll never get through the book of Philippians. And I'll just say this about, and this is a little bit of a segue into maybe a little sub point I'm trying to make, is that when I say that we can spend hours and hours here, that's how deep scripture can go. And that's how long we can spend talking about these type of things. So, and what I'm trying to do here is I'm not trying to go like so deep that it literally will take us months to get through four chapters in the book of Philippians. But what I'm trying to do is go through these, I don't want to say quickly, but I want to go through these and hit the main points of each and every verse, break them down in such a way that it really builds you up, edifies you, and sanctifies you further. And speaking of sanctification, Verse 6 is it. Now, Paul is saying, I am confident in this very thing. What's he confident about? This next verse. Well, I should say, excuse me, this next part of the verse. That he, God, who began a good work in you. What is that? What is that? What good work is he talking about? We start, we're talking about salvation here. The process of being drawn by God, John 6, 44, being regenerated, Titus 3, 5, and then us putting our complete trust and faith in Christ. Oh, did I miss something? Yes, I did. Repentance. Repentance. Trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And then are justified by Christ and Christ alone. Remember, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. There it is. That good work. Are, are you with me here? He who began a good work everything I just talked about, in you will perfect it. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like progressive sanctification to me. And if you're new to the show or if you forgot, we did a three-part series on sanctification. It would be part two on sanctification. It was trust the process. And it spoke about progressive sanctification. And don't get hung up on that word too much. Progressive obviously just means ongoing. So basically from the moment you were justified through faith in Christ and Christ alone and you are saved, it's from that time until we pass on from this life, until our mission and our purpose for God has been completed. That's in between there. That's progressive sanctification. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7 for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. Boy, this is 
so powerful because we're talking about people here. We're talking about unity. We're talking about love here. And what really strikes me here is the second half of verse seven, where it says, because I have you in my heart, that's how you need to feel about believers. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. Friends, brothers, sisters, we are all partakers of grace. And we are all the same grace. None greater, none less. And we must treat each other in such a way as that. Let's look at verse 8. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let me just say this. This overflows, this affection, it overflows from the Holy Spirit, from Christ, in us to others. I've used this analogy before, but it's like a cup underneath a waterfall. You know, we, we're we just overflowing with love, joy, patience to other people. And that's what needs to happen. And this affection is not just human affection. Don't, don't be mistaken. It's the affection of Christ Jesus. See, Christ began a good work. At one point, what happened? We weren't as loving as we are today. When you first began that good work, or I should say, God began that good work in you. We weren't that loving. We weren't that patient. We weren't that kind. We weren't that gentle. We weren't that self-controlled. But look where you are today from where you first began. God is doing amazing things from within. And then from within, that starts to, it should appear outward to others. And that's what this is here. Verse 9 says, And I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Our love for Christ and others grows as the closer we draw near to God in the scripture. As scripture saturates our inner man, our love from the spirit will flow from within us. We just talked about that. But our love for Christ and our love for others abounds more and more because we have real knowledge of Christ. We have real knowledge of his love and how he loved people and how he treated people, how he laid down his life for others, how he came to serve and not to be served. And that's what we must do. And not just that, but in all discernment. That, that discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Here's that day of Christ again. Knowledge and discernment. That word discernment here means knowing the difference. Comes from the Holy Spirit within us. It reveals scripture, the Holy Spirit, and its truths in order to live the Christian life. And we need to be sincere and blameless. And that is, <laughs> talk about a monumental task, 
we will never reach perfection. We will never reach a point in this life where we completely conquer sin. That will never happen. However, sin should be fewer and farther between each and every passing day, every passing month, every passing year. Verse 11, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. The Holy Spirit works within us and produces the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we talk about this being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. Does that sound like John 15 to you, where he is the vine? Absolutely it does. And this is so critical. And we sometimes, I'll just say this, sometimes people get a little bit too much on their high horse and they become a little conceited and they think that, well, I'm a little bit stronger now, a little more mature in the faith. And hey, I can do this thing. I can do this God thing on my own. And that is a really fast way to be humble. But everything so far in these first 11 verses, it's about through Christ, in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. That's why at the end of our shows, I've been saying everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Because Colossians chapter 2, I cannot tell you how many times I've read through the book of Colossians and read through it and read through it and read through it. But the moment I stopped and slowed down, I mean, it just hit me like dynamite. Like everything is in Christ. Everything is with Christ. And everything is for Christ. It's it's that simple, yet so profound. We can do nothing apart from him. Remember that? So it just goes to show you that during this life, during this period, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, never act like you're an adult child. What am I saying about that? Never to grow maturity? No. On the contrary, we should grow maturity. What I'm trying to say is think about, think about kids. Maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you do have kids. I know that the younger kids are, the more they are dependent on their parents. So my little three-year-old wants to hold my hand and wants to hold me everywhere he goes. And I enjoy it so much. My seven-year-old is a little more affectionate, but in other ways, less affectionate. He's not always around me. He's always, he's kind of starting to do his own thing. My 12 year old is affectionate, but in different ways. And then my 18 year old, I mean, obviously less affectionate because of his age. It's not cool to hold your, hold your dad's hand while we're at the zoo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but the, the point is, is, is the reason why we're supposed to be like a child is because we should never grow mature enough that we don't want to hold our father's hand, our father's spiritual hand. I mean, there are days, my brothers and sisters, and I'm just going to be really honest with you, that I wish that I could be in the presence of God 
and just get the biggest hug, the biggest affirmation, and just to just to fall helplessly into the arms of our Lord. I mean, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? And that will be a beautiful thing because that that's what will happen, God willing, uh, later on in our lives. But I mean, sometimes wouldn't it be nice just to, I mean, just be in the presence of God just immediately and just just spend five minutes with Him and just having Him tell you that how much He loves you and that all of this is not in vain. But we actually do have that. We have that in Holy Scripture because all divine revelation has been given from the book of Genesis at the beginning to Revelation at the very end. It's all there. He gives us that affirmation. He gives us that that hug that we so desperately need in times of difficulty and trials. He gives us that. It's just not physical yet. Yet. Okay, I've talked too much about the first 11 verses. Let's go to verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Okay, I have to stop and I I got to say this. <laughs> Don't you wish you had Paul's attitude here? I mean, we need to have this attitude and mindset. We need to have this deep of trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Paul's imprisonment didn't hinder Paul's joy. Rather, it made it explode. And it was an opportunity to progress the gospel. I mean, wow. His circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Do you think that he was downcast? Do you think that he was, oh, poor pitiful me. I'm going to just be a hermit crab in the corner and never going to do anything. I mean, I almost feel that he was more powerful behind bars than he was outside of them. I mean, I mean, seriously, wow. But this is what happens when you allow God to take full control. This is what happens when you place your complete trust and faith in him in the most dire of circumstances. Because there are people that I know today that are going through unimaginable circumstances, faced with absolute death. And yet you would never know by the look on their face. And yet when something so stupid happens to me, there are times where I'm like shaking like a leaf on a tree. Really, Nate? I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. But it just goes to show you, we must have a deeper trust in our Lord that, you know what? The world would say, Nate, oh, this circumstance you're going through is terrible. You must feel like just like garbage right now. Poor, pitiful you. Man, we should be so joyous and so happy and say, you know what? This circumstance is going to turn out for the greater pur purpose and progress of the gospel. Watch. Listen to verse 13. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known 
throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. The Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, that's the mission field. His imprisonment for Christ, it became well known to the mission field. God had people in the Praetorian Guard and the people around that area who had no idea who Christ was because if he really is in Rome here, this isn't anything Jewish related. They don't know anything about God. If you know anything about the Romans, they had many, many gods. But it was for the greater progress of the gospel. Let that be your, I don't know, let that be your, your theme for this week. Let that be your, your life song. That whatever your circumstance will turn out for the greater progress of the gospel. Because that's the goal. That's the purpose. And it, is, it goes back to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And that's what Paul's doing here. No matter what's going on, you cannot stifle my joy. You can stifle happiness, people, because happiness is based upon circumstance. But this right here, verse 12, this is the epitome of joy. Because if your joy is in the only one who is joy, are you with me here? If your joy is in the true joy, Jesus Christ, no matter what the circumstance is, it will never take that away. Yes, routine makes you happy. Some people does. Doing the same things over and over and over again. So being in prison will take that away. But here's the deal. Here's the real situation. And I'll say this one last time. Happiness is based upon circumstances Joy is everlasting. It's a gift from God, and it's in Christ himself. And if Christ is in you, that's his joy. That's his joy. And, you know, Jesus gave us a promise. And I want to share this with you real quick. It's in John 14, 27. It says, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be fearful. So Jesus leaves us with his peace. And his peace he gives to us. The world doesn't give you peace. The world will tell you to meditate. That will take away your peace. Uh, absolutely not. It will. It won't. It will not. Now, let's go back to verse 14 here, starting in 14. It says, And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I'm serious when I say this. I could camp out in any one of these verses and it's, it's just speak on these for hours because I'm telling you what, right now it's getting a little bit late when I'm recording this. I'll be honest with you, it's late, but I'm starting to get super fired up. I'm not sure I'm going to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> I have work tomorrow, but that's okay. This is this is the Lord's work. This is for the greater progress of the gospel, right? Yes. So 
because of Paul's imprisonment, the brethren had become more courageous to speak the word of God without fear. Do you have that? Because hopefully what I'm doing here and sharing some of my stories where I'm out there trying to preach the gospel to people and you know certain things are happening and there's a lot of great things going on. We'll share those in hopefully in a future episode. But I hope that this encourages you to share the gospel and speak the words of God without any fear. Because I'll tell you right now, if my boss would come to me tomorrow and they would pass a law saying that you cannot speak scripture, you can't talk about God at all in your in the job that you're in right now, and they told me, Nate, if you do this, you're going to be fired. I would do it the minute they told me not to. And if they were to come to me and escort me out of the building, I would not fight. I would not cry. I would literally do cartwheels out of that building because it's for the sake of Christ. I am dead serious when I say this. I know words and actions have to be together here, but I'm trying to tell you that I would love for that to happen. I would love to be persecuted like that for the sake of Christ because what's greater? This life has nothing for me. It really does not. And that's not me being depressed because I'm not depressed. I have a beautiful wife, four wonderful boys. I have a great family because that that is the truth. But what I will say is that everything is a loss. Everything is a loss comparing to the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That doesn't diminish my family. That doesn't diminish my love I have for them or their importance to me. But Christ is superior to them. He has to be. He must. So when Paul is saying this, because of his imprisonment, the brethren have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Amen. Let's look at verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. I will just say this. There are people out there today who preach Christ from envy and strife. Some preach with true good intentions. And there are others who have ulterior motives. That's not for me to judge. God will judge that. Speaking of the wheat and the tares, because I think, I honestly think that's what's going on today. You are you are starting to see the wheat and the tares starting to be slowly separated. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I'm not saying that Christ is coming tomorrow. He could. But I'm just saying that in verse 15, nothing has changed. Nothing changes. Let's read uh, verse 16 here. The latter, and we're talking about those who preach Christ for goodwill, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about... Those who preach Christ for goodwill, they we do it out of love. When we preach Christ, it's all out of sheer love for Christ. And I'm telling you right now, 
I'm not doing this for money. I've said that many times on this show. I refuse to put a little catchy little ad in here. Have me talk about how you need to do this and, and you need to do that. Oh, you don't have this product. This product will help you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Because what I'm trying to do here is be obedient to my Lord because I love him. And I want to obey him and I want to serve him. So with that being said, let's look at verse 17. The former, now we're talking about those who preach Christ from envy and strife. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. They were getting back at Paul, those who preach Christ from envy and strife. Oh, Paul's this all-know-it-all. He is the Hebrew of Hebrews, and ooh, he's a mystical figure. He's so he's so popular. He's such a celebrity. You know what? I'm going to preach Christ too, and I'm going to do it in such a way that, you know what? I'm going to be bigger than Paul. That's not out of love. That's envy. I'm going to do it just to spite him. It, it says, again in verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. It's for themselves and their glory. And you know what? Nothing has changed. Do not, I repeat, do not watch TV preachers. Don't watch them. And I'll tell you what, you have to be so careful even on YouTube as well, because there are certain preachers who I've watched and they have actually said out of their mouths, oh yeah, I'm a Calvinist. Click. Done. Not going to do it. Well, what's so wrong with Calvinism, Nate? Well, I'll tell you what. We're not going to get into that today. But I will say this. Any ism or ist is of the devil. Period. Not going to go any farther. Not going to harp. Not going to preach. I feel like I'm preaching. But let me just say this here. Any ist or ism is of the devil and are doctrines of demons. Because any ist and any ism... You know what? That all has its origins from man. Man is fallen. Man is broken. Man is flawed. And why in the world would you put your trust and faith in man when you have Christ Jesus, who is the Holy One, who is perfect, without sin, and it was God? Why would you want to listen to a man? I have no idea. But people flock to these churches, and people have these these ists and isms, they have podcasts that have, I mean, millions upon millions of subscribers and listeners. And here, you know, the people that actually speak the truth don't. I'm not saying this because I'm envious and jealous. I'm not. I shake my head because they're being led down the primrose path. Ists and isms are of the devil. They are satanic. Stay away from them. Someone just asked me the other day, Nate, I'm looking for a church. Where where would you suggest? Any place 
that has a denomination, you stay as far away from as possible. Well, uh, why? I don't understand. Some of these places are really nice. Yeah, that's great. But their origin is from man. Their origin is from man. Let's get back to verse 17 here. The former proclaimed Christ at a selfish ambition rather than pure motives. You be a person with pure motives. If you start to see yourself drifting to selfish ambition, repent and turn away and go back to the pure motives. And what is that pure motive? Love for your Lord. Thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Now, I want you to look at verse 18 here. It says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Okay, friends. Verse 18. Here we are in the last few verses. We're talking about those who preach Christ out of goodwill and those who preach Christ from envy and strife. And he's saying, whichever way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Obviously, he would much rather desire them to be preaching Christ out of goodwill and the pure intentions out of love. But Christ is being proclaimed, and that's all he cares about. And that's all that matters. And in this he rejoices. And he says it twice, yes, and I will rejoice. And this ought to be a Christian's heart when our Lord is being proclaimed, rejoicing. When was the last time you rejoiced in the Lord? When was the last time you rejoiced in the Lord? I actually love to hear a time when you rejoiced in the Lord. So again, make sure you're right into the show at livingparablestruth at gmail.com. I love to hear from you because we need each other. Verse 19 says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He will be delivered. Maybe not the way he was expecting, but we pray. We pray for deliverance through life's trials and tribulations. And you know what? Not just for our own. We also pray for the deliverance out of very hard circumstances for other people. I had a friend of mine who I used to work with that wanted me to pray for many things. It was a few months worth of, of prayers. And let me just say this. The prayers that this person wanted me to pray for were gut-wrenching prayers. Many, many tears in asking for prayer, which... By the way, that's one of the greatest privileges in this life is when people ask you to pray for them. And so I I prayed on their behalf, and I'll tell you what, I saw God doing just wonderful things for this family. And it was just, it strengthened me. It really solidified my faith even more. And it really help me be more firmly established in Christ. Not that him giving a yes to everything does that, but when you see these circumstances, and I don't want to go into personal details of them, 
because that's not appropriate, but let's just say that it was very, very personal. And they were being answered over and over by God. I'm just like, wow. And yet when it came time to make a decision for Jesus Christ, it never happened. Now I'm going to say this it hasn't happened yet because I'm never going to sit here and say it's not going to happen because I don't have complete perfect knowledge. I don't have foreknowledge of the future. That's only God has that. But as I digress, I'm just here to tell you that we need to be praying intercession for other people. We need to be praying for deliverance for people. And you know what? That deliverance may not happen for years. It may not happen for years, but does that mean that God is not good? No, by no means. We have to trust that God has a plan. We must trust that God has a purpose. And whatever it is we're going through, we must trust that whatever is happening to us, and it may not ever be any better, but we need to trust that He will be glorified in this and that it will be for our benefit. Because remember, Paul prayed multiple times that the thorn in his flesh should be taken away, yet it did not happen. But what did that thorn in the flesh do? It kept him humble kept him focused on Christ. So here, I have to tell you, if you're going through something and you've been struggling with it for years, maybe that's God keeping you humble. Maybe God wants you to have a different perspective on that. It, remember, <laughs> the circumstances we go through ought to be accompanied with the mindset of this is for the greater progress of the gospel. Because if you have that mindset, You'll never be defeated. You'll never be downcast because God is good. Isn't he? Of course he is. Of course he is. Let's look at verse 20 as we start to wrap up here. It says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I want to share with you a wonderful story. And I'm not going to go through the whole entire story because you pretty much already know it. So we're going to talk about, just for a second here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Menego. Remember them in the fiery furnace? So there is a point where they were in the direct wrath of the king they refused to bow down to his image and so what happened 
is that something amazing occurred in Daniel 3. And I want to share this with you because this was something that when I read it the first time, it really caught me by surprise because, you know, we, we hear these old Bible stories that are true, by the way. They're all true. They're all historically accurate and they're true. And so you read these stories of great deliverances and like, man, God's going to deliver me from every single hardship in my life. And we know that's not always true. Now, I want to share with you this. Daniel 3. We're going to read verses 16 through 18. And I want to really have you focus in on verse 18. And when we get there, I'll tell you, okay, this is where I want you to focus on. So let's start in 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, that sounds great. We can stop that right there. And we can just say, God is going to deliver you from every single possible thing that's giving you hardship right now. As long as you do this, this, and this. Right? No. That's not the end of the story. This verse 18, if you do not have this underlining your Bible, pause this, underline it, circle it, box it, put a note on there. This is what I want you to focus on right here. It says, but even if he does not, are you hearing that? Are you with me here? Even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. God is good through our life or by our death. Just like we read in Philippians 1.20. God is exalted in our bodies, whether life or death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Menego, through faith in their Lord, they knew, they knew for certain God can and will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you because... This life isn't it, which is a perfect stopping point because guess what? Next week's part two of chapter one, as we conclude, the subtitle to this section, verses 21 through the end of the chapter, is to live is Christ. If you live for Christ and he is your life, you can go ahead and take my life because it's far better to part and be with Christ. And I'm going to give you a little snippet of next week. Are you ready for this? And we're going to conclude. Verse 21. Uh-oh. We're starting next week's episode. No. I'm just, I'm just giving you a little foretaste of what's coming. Which is perfect segue from verse 20 to Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Remember, circle the 18, underline it. Verse 21 in Philippians 1 says this, For to me, and it should be for to you as well, and me sitting in this chair right now, 
To live is Christ, and to die is gain. You can kill me. <laughs> That's fine with me. Because guess what? The minute I take my last breath on this earth, I am going to be in the presence of God Almighty Himself. And I know through faith in Christ that I can stand right before God. Can you? See, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and he threw them in the fiery furnace. And there was a fourth in the furnace. There was a fourth. Wasn't there? Their hair wasn't cinched. Their clothes didn't even smell like fire. If I'm sitting around a campfire for five seconds, I'm going to smell like a campfire the rest of the day. They didn't even smell like fire. Because if God is on your side, nothing can touch you. And sure, like in verse 18, you know what? If he doesn't deliver me, and I do end up dying for God, that's okay. Because I'm going to be raised imperishable because Jesus Christ resurrected that guarantees that he is who he says he is and that through trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone I will be raised in the second life in heaven with a glorious perfect powerful spiritual heavenly body that will be glorified by God. So do your worst. Let your body exalt God. Let the words that come out of your mouth exalt God. Let your thoughts that you think no one else can hear exalt God. So let your body, let your words, and let your thoughts exalt God. Let them exalt Christ. Let them exalt the Holy Spirit. Because to us, to me, to you, to everyone listening, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That doesn't mean we have a death wish. That doesn't mean we're suicidal doesn't mean we're depressed. That means I have so much joy in Christ Jesus that the greater joy is yet to come. And it's true. And each day that passes, that wonderful day gets that much more closer. Amen? So, with that being said, I'm going to get a little mushy here on you. Okay? <laughs> I really appreciate every single one of you. I really do. I know I say that every single episode in the intro, but I truly am blessed to have you with me. I'm so grateful, so grateful for you. And I pray that you are richly blessed because you're with me on this path and on this journey. I may never even meet you. I know I said that before. I may never meet you until we get to heaven, but I am going to be anxiously awaiting that day. Just know that everything you do in Christ is not in vain. That Christ is seated at the right hand of God and 
with great glory, magnificence, and splendor. And that if you remain, if you endure, if you exalt your body, and you use that exaltation for Christ, whether by life or death, we will stand before Christ, we will stand before God Almighty Himself, and He will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. What a wonderful day that will be. What a wonderful day that will be. But I really appreciate you all so much. And you're the reason why I'm doing this. One of the reasons. Christ is the reason. But you guys keep me going. And I hope that these episodes and these seasons, number one, glorify and honor Christ. And two, I pray that they edify and sanctify your souls. Because our faith in Christ is not in vain. Because he died and rose again. So with that, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you, my friends.